0: It's hard to miss, this beautiful woman with a ponytail rising up from a popping bright red background and a warm smile, staring over the city. Behind her is this white halo of calligraphy, and at night, she's beaming, and I mean that literally. There are beaming lights making sure you see her, competing with all the rest of the neon lights on the street, of stores, cafes, bars and restaurants. This. This is Beirut's Hamra Street. It's crowded, chaotic, and here you need to work for people's attention. Unless you're this woman, Sabah, the iconic Lebanese singer, painted along a massive wall by this artist you're about to meet. Today, we're going to share with you two stories. One of a historic Beirut street, And the other of an incredible local artist who's trying to reclaim the street's lost culture by a 26-by-12-meter mural. This is Dana Balutz, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Can you please introduce yourself?
1: My name is Azan Halwani. I'm a street artist from Beirut. and I have been doing street art for the last uh, seven, eight years.
0: And what's your background? Did you study arts?
1: I did a degree in computer and communication engineering because I liked it. Mm -hmm. I really like physics and math, especially physics. Math, not so much. Uh, uh, Most of the copy books I used to have during my time when I was completing my degree in engineering had calligraphy all over the margin, and sometimes on all over the very page, so I had to skip a few pages, you know? Every second of the day, I'm thinking about something related, you know? Uh, I might not be painting, but I might be kind of scribbling, saying, oh, this is a nice uh, sentence, or this is a nice concept. Maybe I should develop this to become, maybe I'm reading something, and I notice, okay, this is an interesting concept to be applied on the street.
0: So when you think of graffiti, at least I do, I often associate it with vandalism so defamation of a building but Yezan's art and this mural in particular it's different you'll walk by it you'll notice it you'll notice other people noticing it admire it but somehow it feels like it's always been there like it just belongs
1: what i do is I choose a big wall, and I start talking to people. And I start, I start talking to people. What was their lives before the wall? What does the location mean to them? What's the history of that place? And they tell me, they start telling me very nostalgic stories about Hamra before the Lebanese civil war. They would always tell me about this thing where Hamra was kind of a cultural hub for the Arab world. And they're very nostalgic, and they would tell you about the cinemas of Hamra and the theatres.
2: <laughs> Um, and Elysee, all of those, I mean, it was like a strip of cinemas, which was pretty amazing.
0: This is Maria.
2: Hello. Test, test, test. Oh, hello. I'm Maria
0: Abu Nasser. Maria does something really special. She works on the oral history of Ras Beirut, which is the main area of Beirut. And what she does is ask people about their memories of a particular street or location, people that have been there for decades. And through their memories, their old pictures and stories, she'll reconstruct the history of that particular street, and eventually of the city, before it gets lost forever. Oh, and she was also my history teacher in high school.
2: Hamra is. I mean, it, it seemed like it was a really amazingly vibrant place. When when they do talk about it as being a cultural hub, what they credit it to, many of them, for the most part, credit it to the establishment of well, to, to the bring to the influx of Palestinians who were escaping um, Israel, and that they were bringing their their know-how and their business savvy with them from commercial centers such as Haifa and bringing it to Ross, Beirut, Many of the, the local businesses first establish themselves, establish themselves on Hamra Street. And one story that always kind of captures my imagination, at the Hamra cinema, there was um, a film that was being premiered there. I, I'm not exactly sure if it was called The Golden Cadillac.
0: Okay, so I looked up this film, and it's actually called The Solid Gold Cadillac, and it's from 1956. It has 7.6 rating on IMDb, if you're interested. The opening night,
2: okay, President Shamaun was supposed to be there with his wife, you know, it was all this gala glitzy thing, and the actual Cadillac that was in the film was parked outside of the Hamra Uh, cinema. So, you know, you watch the film and there's the Cadillac and apparently the star was like this blonde, I don't know what, you know, American actor was in the back of this convertible golden Cadillac. So it was all of this idea that two different people told me about. I mean, they're both going, oh, do you remember that moment when the golden Cadillac, you know, it was unbelievable. You know, these actors would come here. So that's kind of one Thing that definitely just really um, captivates me is that that scene of you know glamour and glitz and you know people would would go to the movies and eat at the horseshoe restaurant was again a major major landmark on Hamra Street
0: where you know everybody who wanted to be seen go there. This horseshoe cafe that Maria is talking about is key for Hamra but also our history, because remember Yezen's 26 by 12 meter mural of Sabah we were talking about earlier? It's painted along the wall of this cafe, which now is a Costa Coffee. But back then, in the 1960s and 70s, it was frequented by a lot of Lebanese and Arab artists. It
2: was also an intellectual hub, you know, so journalists would meet there, and, um, you know, it was just a place for everybody to be seen and be seen.
1: You had Nizara Kabbani, who used to sit in this cafe under the, under this wall. You had uh, Paul Gilagrosian, who was a very famous Armenian painter. You had uh, Mahmoud darwish who was at the same time in Hamra at some point uh, during his life. So so many kind of people that became kind of the biggest philosophers or the biggest poets of the Arab world, an era I, never, I have never seen, and they would after that tell you that currently Hamra is becoming, after the Benissimo, it became more of a commercial place where we had big uh, clothing stores and everything.
2: Well, I think definitely the war has shabbified it, you know, it's, and it was much worse um, 20 years ago than it is now. I mean, now I, you know, I think it's 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 definitely not what I can imagine it used to be. But I still think it has a really strong character, and I still think it, it still has like a, a, some sort of like a what's the right word? Like you know, there's that terrible shop on the street there. called shabby chic, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it still has this. It still maintains this dignity. It still has a presence as a street. You know, it,
1: it was automatic that after discussing and showing pictures to people that the the portrait that I would paint next is someone that would kind of capture back this this uh, lost past of Hamra. It was definitely Sabah, with her big smile, looking at, uh, l- looking away and everything. And I said, okay, she could be looking away at, at Hamra, kind of looking at its past. And after just discussing with people, I said, okay, we're going to paint Sabah, that's it. And it was, I think, the, the most successful choice because people really appreciated her existence. And plus, what I really like about her is the fact that She was not a really very common figure uh, in society. She was kind of a Lady Gaga, the real Lady Gaga, let's say. (laughs) Uh, She used to, in a very conservative society, especially back then, she used to dress in a very uh, non-conservative way. She married, I think, around seven times, especially when she was more than 60 years old. She was a person that sang well into her 70s and 80s, And people used to criticize her all the time about that, and she did not care. And I think she kind of changed what the dogmas of society. There's something that is indirect, and the people do not appreciate her enough for that.
0: I wonder, Yezen, how politics play a role in your arts. Lebanon is a highly political country, and so are its people. So do you ever feel like politics played a role in your particular art?
1: Actually, what I... um When I was doing this graffiti, I used to always have to kind of remove these uh, politicians' posters from the elections. Back when we used to have elections in Lebanon. (laughs) It was a very lengthy process. And every time maybe you were painting in a street where you had kind of an office for a political party, they would send kind of their, what I call goons, you know, and people who would tell you, what are you doing? You know, they would ask you kind of these intrusive questions just to say, you know, we're here. And I noticed that people kind of feel that this area, you know, you can't paint in Hamra, you know, it's for the uh, Syrian Nationalist Party. Or you can't paint in, I don't know where, because it's for Tahrir al-Mustabal or Hezbollah or I don't know what. So I said, okay, fine, let's do things a bit differently. I want kind of to oppose their presence with something that everybody does agree on, to replace the politicians that we used to find on posters in the street and kind of reclaiming the streets and defining our city. We're using cultural icons that kind of uh, define Lebanese culture.
0: And who do you think defines our culture?
1: People people that kind of uh, define the streets of Beirut or the streets of Lebanon or or, or Arabs in general. Uh, But also some people that are completely, might be unknown, like, for example, a homeless man called Ali Abdullah, who used to live facing the American University of Beirut, who everybody who has been living there for around 20 years, who had an amazing English accent for some reason, and no one knew why. And some legends used to say that he was a guy that was a a professor at the the university and uh, who became crazy during the Lebanese civil war and has since been in the streets. And unfortunately he died uh, from the cold in the winter two years ago. So what I wanted to do is just commemorate his existence with a wall. At one point, there was a Lebanese taxi who had a kind of a broken-down car, who stopped and told me, uh, I want to talk to you, and I told him, OK, what's up? And he told me, look, look, man, I don't have a lot to offer you. I have this car which is kind of broken, as you can see. You know, um, uh, I don't make that much money, but I saw what you're doing, and it really touched me. I used to see that man, and I was really about to cry. I've been looking at you for ten minutes. Uh, what I can offer you is kind of a ride, if you want, and to go anywhere in Lebanon to kind of uh, uh, paint anyone, I'm ready to help you. And I find found this touching, really touching, coming from this man, especially because this man who had maybe not a lot, who I could see that his car was going to break down and was barely standing, was want wanting to. Help, kind of help the effort or give from the little he had to kind of help someone else and I thanked him for that it was kind of I, I always say this is kind of the nicest compliment to my work that I have ever received
0: Yezen's face lights up when he tells this story so what do you think a mural on a wall can achieve?
1: I think it also changes the relationship with what a wall can be, you know, before a wall was kind of just a wall, and now it's kind of a diary where, when they open it or when they see it, it evokes kind of memories. And I think uh, this is uh, kind of the point.
0: What's amazing is Yazan's work is so well-received across generations. And in a country like Lebanon, with 18 different religious sects, political deadlock, a vacant presidential seat for over a year, near consensus on anything is pretty rare. But that doesn't mean that people don't have opinions.
1: You'd be surprised by when you put something in the street, how much people care about it. You know, when I was painting, for example, the Sabah, someone told me I had not finished it. Told me, you know, although it was, it looked good uh, from from far. He told me, you no, know, the the teeth are, are wrong. And I was looking, and and I had indeed had too much shading on the teeth, so it looked like there was they were kind of dirty. And it was just a guy who was just sitting uh, facing the wall. Sometimes people scribbled stuff on it. The first time I actually removed them myself, because someone called me and told me, look Yazan, someone scribbled on the face, wants want you to fix it.
0: This is about another mural of Yazan's, of Feirouz, another iconic Lebanese singer.
1: And did not have any idea who that person was, but I did it because I, f- I found that someone like living near the wall, taking ownership of it, was something very interesting. Next time, someone scribbled above it, and they actually fixed it; they repainted the background just to remove that. So people have kind of a sense of ownership of of that wall.
2: I mean, I think Gesen's mural is it. It really stands out where everything around is kind of gray. And concrete and dilapidated, or you know, just mono- monotonous. But then his mural, this vibrant purple and white composition, that is, um, is stellar in the way it stands out. I think it's we, we need more of that to you know make Hamra colorful again and uh, you know give it give it its 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 personal history too. I mean, it's nice that he's also using very local subjects like Sabah, um, who had personalities that graced that street. You know, so giving a street its, its, its people is important as people giving themselves to the street. Uh,
1: when I take a service and uh, ask him about the mural uh, without telling him who I am, they seemed so confused about this thing that's coming up on the walls. And I love that, you know. What
0: are some of the reactions?
1: People were so perplexed by the fact that I would paint a mural with no benefit to myself. Uh, they would ask me, oh, why are you d- it's, it's a municipality that's paying you, right? I told them no. Told them, oh, okay, it's an NGO that's paying you or a company. I tell them no, I'm paying from my own. And they would tell me, oh, so you're on a Sunday under the sun paying from your own money to paint a wall that's not yours? I'll tell them yes, I'm doing that. I told them, I, th- I think you're crazy. I tell them no, because if actually each one of us did that, uh, the city would kind of recover from the civil war, from these traces very quickly. And I say, it makes sense, but. It doesn't work in practice. Uh, I told them, fine, you know, I'm crazy.
0: This concludes our episode of Kerning Cultures with sound design by Ramzi Bashur and co-production by Hiba Fisher. Special thanks to Yazan Halwani, of course, Maria Abu Nasr and Daman Tandi. Art is best seen, so we highly recommend you check out our website for more information about Yazan to see some of his beautiful work including the Sabah mural and find details about upcoming exhibitions. Until next time,
2: see you. <laughs> يعني بتصور عنده مصطابر كتير عليها الله يوفي أنا،,
0: أنا أمي الله يرحمها ويرحم صباح كانت بتقلي خلقت ع الدنيا وبسمع بصباح هاي دي بتسوى مئة سياسة
2: مئة سياسة بتسوى سياسيين ما قالوا نحاك بالبلد